All right, young ones, we've got, uh, we've got some helmets for you to color. If you want to come collect them, or Kat's going to bring them back to you. More and more, we're going to try to be looking for ways that we can engage our young church, because they are, they're us, right? They are, they are the church. Um, I believe probably starting next week, we'll have a little bit of a, a sound system in here, just a simple one, because um, we realize the air conditioner is loud and the chairs are a little bit loud. Uh, parents, we want you to know that's not at all we're trying to drown out your kids. That's not the situation. We just, um, I think it'll alleviate some of the, the stresses of just trying to hear in this, in this big space. Um, if you've got good ideas on how to continue to engage the, our, our, our young church with us as a, as a whole, let me know or let Kat know, because um, we want to be the, the whole church, right, all together in this thing. And um, if you adults want something to color, we can figure that out next time, too. <laughs> We're almost done already with this armor of, of God peace and... Uh, this has been fast. This has been a fast summer. Today we're talking about the shield of... Nope, that was last week. I'm sorry. We're talking about the uh, helmet of salvation, which is uh, laid out in Ephesians six seventeen. It's a really, really short little verse here. I'm going to read the, the whole section for us. Stand therefore and... And fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. And with all of those, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And today we're just looking at the, the helmet of salvation and and really a little bit at this word salvation, right? It's, it's a churchy word, but what, is it, what does it actually mean? What is, what's going on in that, in that word? There's an Old Testament claim of faith in the life of the people in the Old Testament, which was that Israel already experienced and was still anticipating the promised salvation within history meaning real, in their lives. Not some theoretical salvation, but a very practical and real salvation. And what that would look like would be the reception of, of two Hebrew words. And you've, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard these words before. The, the first one is this word, hased. And hased is, is loving kindness. It's God's loyalty. It's God's commitment to the covenant towards us. It's the idea that we've talked about at times of God lavishing love on us, like my grandmother would put butter on Lefsa, if you remember me talking about that. It's, it's, we're going to explore this even at Slow Invasion today. It's, it's God's uh, intent towards all of us. As this has said, loving kindness, faithfulness, enduring love. And so this reception of hased and this reception of shalom, which you know that word. We talked about a couple weeks ago, this peace, but not just absence of conflict. 
this peace that is a, a, a being made whole again individually but also together the community being made whole creation being made whole it's a fullness it's reconciled and so what salvation looks like is this reception of this loving kindness and this wholeness into a community and into individuals lives salvation looks like where chaos has torn my life apart or where Sin has torn my life apart. Salvation is God reassembling that. Reassembling relationships that were torn apart. Reassembling uh, structures that are meant for, for healing and for order instead of for destruction. Does that make some sense? Yes. So this is what we, we see, and we see it in the Old Testament. I, today I just want to read you a few verses that we find in uh, two in the Old Testament, one in the New, and just kind of flush this out a little more. In the middle of a psalm in Psalm 55, we see David talk about this kind of salvation. He says, but I call upon God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he will hear my voice. He will redeem me unharmed from the battle that I wage. For many are array against me. God who is enthroned from the old will hear and will humble them. So here we see this kind of deliverance, right? A very practical and experiential salvation where David sees that he's going to be delivered from some of these hardships, but he's going to be brought into something as well. It's not just that we're delivered from evil, but that we're brought into the kingdom. It's not just that we're delivered from chaos or situations, but that we're brought into relationship. I think sometimes we're very focused on what we want to leave, and we miss what we're being brought into. And there's something to this. David is talking about a very experiential way that this happened. In Psalm 29, just these two really simple verses at the end of the psalm. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. To us in our context, this might not mean a lot. Some of us flood. Okay, our houses may have flooded or we may have lived in a space. Where, where floodwaters are, so that, that might trigger a memory. But in the time that this is written, floods and seas, these are like representative of chaos. That's what chaos was seen as the sea, as the waters rushing. Danger was seen that way. And so whatever danger looks like to you, whatever chaos looks like, fill that in there. Fill that word in. The Lord sits enthroned over chaos. The Lord sits enthroned over danger, over destruction. This is a very declarative thing to say here. The Lord is enthroned above, able to deliver from this chaos from this danger 
and able to bring people peace. Which, yes, is absence of living in this chaos, but also is a restoration of whatever had been destroyed by the floodwaters. Whatever had been destroyed by the sea. And I think this is important for us because some of us live well aware of whatever chaos we're in or, or is coming at us. Whatever chaos feels too close. And a lot of us have kind of on our own strength learned how to adapt and manage around chaos. And that's a, that's a good trait. But part of what this is is to say you don't have to do it only on your own strength. That's an, that's an asset that you learned how to do that, but we're not operating on our own strength anymore. We don't have to. Instead, we're invited to trust that God is above, enthroned above the flood, enthroned above the chaos. Now right away this triggers some stuff in us. I'm like, well, but I still experience some of it. Well, I still... Uh, Things were still washed away in flood, in the sea, all of that, yeah. And I don't get how it all works, all of it. But I know that when sometimes the flood is too much for us, it is not too much for God. I, I know growing up, uh, my, my mom, I, I love my mom, but I would hear her and I would hear some other people say the phrase, uh, God will never give you anything you can't handle. You know that one? That's not actually a Bible verse. And actually, if you're someone like me, that can be an actually a damaging phrase. Like, I've experienced some stuff that's more than what I could handle. And then I've thought that I was weak, or that I was extra broken, or shame entered in. I thought I was extra flawed because I felt like I couldn't handle it. If you all have been with me for a while, you know that I've, I've been through bouts of pretty severe depression and anxiety where the chaos feels too much. And if you're there or if you have been there, it feels too much because it is. But the good news is that God is enthroned above the chaos. And I don't know why God has allowed me to experience some of the things I've experienced or you do experience some of the things you have. I don't think God just does it to make me stronger in some of these things that make great cross-stitch signs, but not great theology. But I do know that God is near. I do know that God is with me. I do know that God is with you. And I do know as, as soon as he wants to withdraw those floodwaters, he can and even when my life is in chaos, God is above that. And if I'm with him, and if he is with me, and he's above that, then, well, that just, it does something to my fear. It does something to my anxiety. It kind of, it starts to calm them or redirect them. Let me give you another verse that's in the same book that we're studying here in Ephesians. There's a ton going on theologically in this. We're not, we're not going to try to tackle it all, but I want to read you a couple of verses. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His faith that He lavished on us. 
With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So there's some past tense in this. There's the past tense of redemption. What needs to take place for you and I to be redeemed, that's done. It's taken place. There's even the past tense of forgiveness. We know that God's posture towards us is this has said, this loving kindness, this forgiving of us. That's taken care of. So if there's insecurity in us on whether we have done too much to be forgiven or whether we could ever be redeemed or any of that, we, can know, we know that that is done. That's taken care of. And then there's some present tense in this. There's the grace of God that's lavished on us. Again, lavished always gives me the imagery of my grandmother giving way too much butter on the left side. Way more than I deserve, definitely way more than I need, but because she loves me. And God's grace for you is way more than you deserve, because it's grace. And believe it or not, it's, it's way more than you would ever think that you need. He lavishes it on you. The biblical imagery that we have is when the perfume is poured on Jesus' feet. As this beautiful moment, maybe there was better use for the perfume, maybe there was all that, it doesn't matter. The most beautiful act of worship is this perfume lavished on the feet of Jesus. And he turns to you and to, to me and lavishes his grace on us today, right now, in real time. There's grace for you. And not just like a baby amount of grace. Like buffet-style grace. Pre-COVID, because buffets are extra gross now after COVID, right? And then there's this future tense that we look forward to. You see, the plan that God had is Christ. It's all focused on Christ. That Jesus would be enough and that Jesus is enough. And so he put forward Christ so that in the fullness of time, everything that is God's, God brings back together. We don't have to sort that out. That's not our work. We don't have to figure out who's in what camp and what camp is what and who's good and bad. No, our, our plan is to like, let's spend a day and tomorrow and the next day being present tense, being lavished in the grace of God. And extend that same thing to the person next to you. And then invite your neighbor. Hey, do you know there's enough grace for both of us? You know there's enough in here? There's enough in here. And then in the fullness of time, God gathers together. God sets salvation right. The fullness of God's loving kindness, the fullness of God's peace is known. That's what this verse is talking of. That's what this salvation is. So then in 1 Thessalonians, we're we're given almost the same imagery, but it's changed up just a tiny bit. It says that this helmet is the hope of salvation. And I think there's something beautiful there. With the helmet being just salvation, that makes it feel like, okay, I've got it. We're, We're secure. But there's something even more honest for me about this hope of salvation. Because I know 
from experience that God is the authority over chaos. But still, I, I live in this hope. I know that he's God over chaos. He's the authority over chaos. But I, I still hope that he is the authority over it. You know what I'm saying? I know that God is the one who will deliver. I know that God is loving kindness, that he's making all things new and whole and reconciled. But it's still the hope that that's what he's doing and that he's doing it with some haste and with some quickening. And so Thessalonians says that it is our hope of salvation that is our helmet. Now, the fact that of all the armor that the salvation is a helmet to me is pretty meaningful because there's a lot going on in here and it gets me in trouble sometimes. I have some thoughts that are less than helpful. By wiring, I have an amazing ability to find out all the horrible things that could happen and, and be anxious about it. And then I was trained to be even more anxious about it and... So rewiring that takes a minute. And the salvation is to be a helmet. If you've ever lived in some anxiety or in some fear or in some uh, what folks used to call stinking thinking, you put this helmet on, it's to relieve you of some of that. If you at all have an awareness of of your false self, of the, of the you that you don't want people to know, and you dwell on that for a minute, then this idea that God is a God of loving kindness sitting on your head, well, it starts to replace those thoughts. If you're distracted by the floodwaters, by the sea, by the chaos, then this fact that God sits as authority, those thoughts start to replace those other ones. If you live in fear... If you live with some anxiety, this, this verse of cast all your cares upon him, that's what this is. Allow God to be your salvation. And yes, for your emotional center, and yes, for your physical body, but also for your mind. This is the gift of God knowing our wiring and then giving us this helmet of salvation. And so what would it look like if we allow loving kindness and peace to actually protect our minds? What would it look like if we, if we, I don't know, even put the rubber band around our wrist and snapped it when we needed to think about it or whatever it takes? Like, what would, it, what would we look like if we decided to dwell mentally on the fact that God wants to let God's grace lavish upon us. Our anxieties and our fears will be quieted by this experienced salvation now and fully in the future. And so there's some ways that we can remember this. There's some ways that we are, we are cued to it, Right? Almost every week when we gather, we receive communion, which we'll do in just a minute. This is a moment for us to remember. Oh, that's right. God hasn't stopped lavishing grace on us. Oh, that's right. God is the authority over chaos. 
on, on August 1st, we're going to celebrate the baptism of our friend, uh, Zeth and, and Kathy as well, over at Wayne and Wendy's house after the service. This is a great time to celebrate with them. That God is the God of salvation. That all that was required is, is done. And we're baptized into that. If you want to celebrate with us that day or you want to be baptized that day, talk to me. We'll, we'll make sure that you have the address and all the information that you need. But we have these moments, even gathering and worship is a moment to remember. It's to lay anxieties aside, fears aside. Remember that yes, the chaos might be big. And I'm not pretending it isn't. But God is bigger. And God is the God of peace. And God is the God of love. And the God is the God who wants to be near to you today. So in a second, we're going to receive communion. Uh, I want to pray for us. I want to ask that you pray with me and, and then we'll move on into that. God, thanks for your goodness. Thanks that you know us well. Pray that you would calm anxious thoughts. That you would remind fearful minds who you are. That this wouldn't be seen as a cruel correction, but instead... Oh, another way of you lavishing grace and kindness on us. That we get to refocus on you. That we get to remember who you are. That we can look with anticipation towards you making our lives whole, our communities whole. That we can rest in your grace. We pray this in your name. Amen.